Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two in the books. It's time for our number three. Number three. Of the Sports Huddle with your hosts, Chris Cross, Mike Cameron, and Matthew Lawrence. Hour number three today, we're at Aurora Pools and Spas. We'll be over here for about another hour. No Legends baseball tonight, but they return tomorrow night. Possibly some storms in the area. Be careful on your way home tonight. On the line, before we get to him, real quick, U.S. Open update. Tiger, two over after two holes. And J.B. Holmes, U.K., two under after six. Good. Go J.B. Okay. Tiger just can't cut it. He's only played two holes. I know. We'll find out. Aaron Torres, how are you today? Gentlemen, good to hear from you. How is everybody? Hi, hey, Aaron. Aaron. Aaron, we miss talking to you. You're a good guy. I hope everything is well with you. Everything is great, fellas. Yeah, I kind of got my eye on this golf, too, and uh, getting ready for the draft next week, as I'm sure all you guys are as well. You know, we wanted to talk to you about your your article today, and we will. It's a, an interesting story about Rory McIlroy, but let's skip ahead just a little bit, and I'd like to talk to you about that draft. Uh, how do you see it going? Do you, think, uh, you see Townsend number one? Yeah, I, I think that um, not unlike everybody else, it seems that Carl Anthony Towns, Kentucky's own, uh, is projecting as the first overall pick in the draft. Um, you guys know what, what the Minnesota Timberwolves could potentially be getting from that kid, uh, not only a franchise center, but also the kind of kid that you can put in the community for the next 8, 10, 12 years, and he's going to be outstanding. He's going to be good. He's not going to get in trouble. He's going to do all the right things off the court. Um, So it would not surprise me at all to see him go number one overall, and then I think it's a waiting game at that point to see where all the other Kentucky guys fall. You know, I I think it finally has gotten through everybody's head in the NBA. Let's let's not go too far overboard. I know the overwhelming thing is still talent, but boy, what a difference it makes to help win games, anything you you want your franchise to do if you have people of character. They can make the changes you got to make. They can adapt. And you've hit it right on the head. One of the greatest character guys we've had at this school is that young man. He's a terrific kid. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys know uh, during the season right before the Final Four, I did a big piece on him and really got to know a lot of the people in his life, um, high school coaches, some of the members of the Dominican national team. I talked to Coach Antigua, who was obviously at Kentucky for a long time. And uh, as excited as, as they were um, you know, about his long-term potential as a basketball player, the one thing that everyone reiterated, everybody had a great Carl Towns off-the-court story, you know, staying after games in high school to, to sign autographs and showing up un, unexpectedly at, you know, hospitals and, and, and you know, children's hospitals and, and things in the community. And you guys are right, you know, um, you know, there has been a new emphasis on character, you know, especially with a lot of the off-the-field stuff and off-the-court mm-hmm. stuff we've seen in the NFL and NBA and all that. And, you know, the good thing is that, that, you know, we get into this time of year where everybody puts their best foot forward and everyone's trying to impress, um, you know, NBA front office people. And, you know, as you guys know, that's just who Carl Towns is 12 months a year, 365 days. So, um, you know, it's nice to know that it's not, you know, from everyone who knows him and has talked to him and all his former teammates and Coach Callen who has said it, 
repeatedly through the draft process. It's nice to know that, you know, he's not just putting his best foot forward for these draft people. This is actually who he is and the kind of person that he is. You know, we've watched Cal here for several years now. And believe me, Aaron, being on a close basis with Cal is, is one of the most fun things in the world because he's got so many things that he talks about and says. Now, today, as a teleconference, he comes out, and now his goal is to have half of the starting all-star team to be his former players. And you know what? The way Cal's going at this, that's not an unreasonable thing to be saying. Well, you know, it's really funny that you guys mentioned that because I was actually thinking about this the other day is we're now getting to the point where, you know, we're going to have multiple Kentucky players. It seems like just about everywhere. I mean, we're talking about potentially Willie Cauley-Stein going to the Sacramento Kings where he would obviously play with DeMarcus Cousins, the potential for Carl Anthony Towns to go to the Lakers and play with Julius Randle. Uh, you know, Devin Booker has been projected by some to go to Charlotte where he would play with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. And it really is incredible that, you know, I don't know if they'll all end up being all-stars, but um, I'm telling you, man, it's pretty incredible to look across the league. And now that we're five, six years into the Calipari era at Kentucky, you know, these NBA rosters really are filling up quick. And, you know, Kentucky fans have uh, a lot of players to watch, but it's just interesting to me. I was just thinking about that today. It's like, wow, we're now at the point where it's not just a Kentucky guy on every team. It's, it's now getting to the point where every team's got two or three, you know? And just to follow up, the, the Phoenix Suns have three Kentucky players in the backcourt. <laughs> how, have we, how have we only won one national championship? Yeah, I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, it, it, well, look, man, you guys know. I mean, uh, somebody told me this once, and it, it stuck with me, is that winning the NCAA championship is the single hardest uh, championship to win in sports. Six single elimination games, one bad night, one bad play, one bad call. I mean, you guys know it, but it really is incredible. And, and I don't know if we've spoken since the uh, since the, the loss to Wisconsin, but you know, you just look at that team, and you know, I don't think that it really hit me how good that team was and how unique this year was until they all had to go in away press conference until Coach Cal said, you know, will everyone who's leaving please stand up? And seven guys stood up, and you realize, like. <laughs> You know, even by the insane standard that Coach Calipari set, this year was a special year, and, and, and you know, obviously didn't go as planned for Kentucky, but, but you know, you had chances like that, as good as this program has been, they just don't come along like that. And seven guys, a bunch of them upperclassmen, sophomores and juniors that had come back. So, like I said, uh, it was striking to me to, to, to when they actually were all on stage together and all stood up together, that was when it really hit me of just how unique this past season was. You know, Aaron, I was kind of kidding around about the why didn't we win the championship, but we always pointed to Dean Smith won two national championships. Yep. Two in all the years and all the great players he coached at Carolina. He only won two championships, so it's hard to do. Yeah, and, and one thing I would add, too, is that, and, and I remember coming on before the Final Four and talking to you guys, is that... <clears throat> As great as Mike Krzyzewski is, and, and he is great, and, you know, this national championship this past year really changed things, what people didn't realize is that Coach K had only been to one Final Four in the decade before this year. Now, he won a national championship in 2010, but we're talking about a span of 12, 13 years where they had one Final Four to show for their name, and you kind of think of Duke as, as the, the elite program, you know, over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years. And it really is hard, and it really does make you appreciate I mean, I think that really quickly is that, that I would say is that despite the national championships, and I know you were only joking, like the fact that they, they've gone to what now, you know, well, what is it? Four, four out of five. five. Yeah, Four out of the last five. 
Exactly. And, and, and not that you ever want to go and not win, but just to do that in this era is absolutely incredible. And, you know, with, especially with the roster turnover that they have, but that's something that can't be undervalued. And, and you don't want to go to that, that final weekend and not win it all, but it can't be undervalued. Four Final Fours in five years is absolutely incredible. Well, I don't know why you think it's so incredible, because if you read all our blogs up here, Coach is absolutely losing his touch. We have a terrible class coming in, and we, we're only picked to be like a third team maybe to win the national championships. I don't know how we can put up with that from this guy anymore. Uh, yeah, no, I heard Kel on uh, Colin Cowherd a few weeks ago, and he said, you know, I think everybody's starting to turn on me here. And it's true, <laughs> you know, uh, as somebody who doesn't follow recruiting super closely, I have my contacts that I kind of pick their brain on. So, I mean, it just seemed like a weird cycle with kids picking Mississippi State and Cal and UNLV over Kentucky. Uh, but <laughs> as you guys, and I know you were joking, uh, I think I think Cal's just fine, and, you know, I think – uh, whether he'd want to admit it or not, I think he's going to be happy to have a, a six- or seven-man rotation this coming year rather than a 10- or 11-player rotation. Boy, is that insightful. That's absolutely true. He's had a great team last year, and he said he didn't think we were going to lose, and that it certainly would have been historic. But it was pretty odd for him to have people going to the NBA with 15, 16, 18. That's it. You won't get off the, the – I don't care if a grenade goes off. Those other guys aren't getting off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And you know, and it's funny because I, people are saying that this this um, platoon stuff was used against Kentucky in recruiting. I'm sure it was to some degree. But if a kid can't see that last year Kentucky had four or five guys that they were anticipating leave, whether it be Willie Cauley Stein, the Harrison Twins, maybe even Dakari Johnson, you know, if kids can't see that and realize that it was a totally unique situation, well, you know, that's on them. And I'm not going to sit here and pick on an 18 year old kid for choosing a school other than Kentucky. But it, 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 it you know, if they're if they're choosing it only because Cal used the platoon last year and they can't figure out that that was a totally unique scenario. You know, that's on them for the people around them and themselves not doing their homework and, you know, putting them, putting the, the kid in the best position to, to do what's best for him. And every, every story is different, so I'm not picking on kids. But if that's the reason that they didn't pick Kentucky, it's pretty absurd. Willie Cauley-Stein, we mentioned Towns. Willie Cauley-Stein is a kid that uh, since he went to all the workouts and worked out just for the Knicks the other day, people seem absolutely astounded that he can shoot the basketball, for one thing. But he's doing very well, has moved himself, I believe, up that board. I, I don't know where you have him going or what you think about it, but Willie Cauley is, uh, is I, everybody here knew how good he was, but I think he's opened some eyes, as good as they, if they thought he was. Yeah, and, and um, you know, as far as, you know, I know you didn't really you didn't ask me this, but as far as the guy that I think is just going to have a big impact next year and might not come on the offensive end, as you guys know, seeing him for, you know, 38 games last year, but I just think that guy's a guy that can step in right away. Athletically, he can compete. Size-wise, he can compete. He can rebound. He can defend. And uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, you look at a kid that's seven foot one that can move like that. You know, he moves like he's six foot one. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised at all. I, I, I'm curious to see where he goes because, as I just kind of alluded to, he does have some offensive deficiencies. He's not a player that, you know, you'd routinely think of as a top-five pick. But, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Sacramento at six, where they, they already have the low, the low post scoring with DeMarcus Cousins, and they really need somebody to help them out on defense. That seems like a logical spot for me. Um, I'm not surprised that, that people are impressed by Willie Cauley-Stein, but I, I can't see him going much earlier than that six spot just because, like I said, you can't really afford to take a guy that, that is somewhat limited offensively, uh, you know, when you're as bad as the Knicks are or the Lakers are or somebody like that. Will this be the year that we see a, a lot of trades, a lot of people going up and down? For instance, the Celtics have four picks overall coming up in this. Uh, they, and they're looking for players and they're looking for depth. 
maybe they want to move up or down, other people do. Does this look like a year that'll stay mostly status quo, or do you have instincts that say there's going to be a lot of deals? It's interesting because I, I think um, the the two teams at the top that, that we all kind of are keeping our eye on are the Lakers and the Knicks, and I think both of them kind of have you know, the, uh, the I don't know if you want to call it the pretty girl syndrome or whatever, but I, I think that hmm. neither of them feels like they belong in the top five. And, you know, it, it's sad because, I, you know, I'm of the belief that if you can get a Carl Anthony Towns, and I, I do like Julia Local for more than a lot of people, I think that he's been getting kind of, you know, blasted for, for things that I don't think he should be in, the, in these past few weeks just as far as his defense and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I'm of the belief that if you can get that guy and you can build around him, you should because there's just a track record of, you know, you really only get those kind of difference-making players at the top of the draft. And But, you know, the Lakers and the Knicks, you know, you've, we've been hearing for weeks that the Knicks think that they want to trade out of the pick if possible, and I still think the Lakers think that if they could get some value, they'd move back. So to answer the question, I would not be surprised at all because of what I just said is, like, I don't think either of these teams is comfortable building through the draft. I don't think they want to take a guy that might take two or three years to develop into a really good player. I don't think that's the right decision, but I do think that's kind of the mindset that a couple of those teams have. You mentioned uh, we've talked about Willie and, of course, Carl. They're the two obvious ones. But to us guys here as Kentucky fans, if you'd have told me at the start of last season or, heck, at the middle of the season that Trey Lyles and Devin Booker would be considered in the in the lottery, I, you know, I'd have bet you everything I had on that. These guys apparently here are really moving fast up this board. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because we're at the point, and I'm sure you guys watch the finals uh, these past few weeks, of, you know, the sport is getting smaller and smaller, and you got to be able to run, and you got to be able to shoot, and, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a, a sport that's trending in a different direction. I was thinking about those two guys this morning. Um, I actually listened in on Cal's uh, press conference as well uh, that you guys mentioned earlier, and, and I was thinking about those two for that specific reason because, Booker, we know he can shoot lights out. And by the way, you're not the only ones that didn't think that he was going to be a lottery pick. I mean, I've heard people yeah. say that uh, Devin's own dad was not expecting him to, was not expecting him to leave Kentucky after a year, period, let alone be as highly projected as, uh, you know, as he is. And, and with, with Trey Lyles, you know, I, I think he's a really interesting prospect, too, because he's a bigger guy, as you guys know. But he can step out and hit that 15-footer. He can go down low and, and kind of bang in the post. And I think he's just a really versatile big man. And I think, you know, ironically, he's the kind of big man. And I'm not saying that he could have done it necessarily at this stage of his career. But he's the kind of big man that the, the Cavaliers really needed in this finals. You know, they, they couldn't hit outside shots. And, you know, they're... they're, they're uh, big guys were kind of uh, limited offensively and, and, you know, defensively as well. They were great rebounders and kind of defended the post well. But, you know, they needed a guy like Trey Lyles that could step out and hit a 15, 18-foot jumper and then also defend in the post. They didn't have him. So, to me, those two guys, I think they both are just kind of perfect new-age players that I think really um, can make an impact down the road because they have those skill sets that now seem to be coveted in the NBA more than ever before. I want you to go to Fox Sports, folks, and uh, read Aaron Torres. He's got a great column today. Next time Rory McIlroy, that, that time the Rory McIlroy almost enrolled at East Tennessee State. I read this thing uh, cover to cover, and it is, it's great. It just is really entertaining to me. And uh, Coach Warren decided to get some people from overseas, and he ended up getting Rory McIlroy to sign a letter of intent. Long and short of it. That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny, fellas, it, and you guys know I'm a, I'm a basketball guy and I do a little football stuff, too. I'm not a golf guy. I don't watch golf. I don't know golf. I, 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 I don't play golf. And it was funny. My editors just said, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a slow season. Can you help us with some golf coverage? And I told them, I said, point blank, 
if it's something that I feel like is kind of in my voice or kind of a story that, that my audience can relate to, then I will, but I wasn't going to force it. And so the last thing I wanted was to be writing about, you know, approach shots and different club types. And, like, I, that's not me and that's not who I am. But I kind of came across this random story about how Rory McIlroy, when he was a 15-year-old coming out of Ireland, uh, was recruited by a school in, in Tennessee, East Tennessee State University, small school, I believe, uh, uh, obviously in eastern Tennessee. I believe it's near the Kentucky border. I could be mistaken on not that. Not very far um, from us, yeah. What's that? Not very far from us, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and so it was just the craziest thing. And, you know, I thought, you know, with my background covering college basketball and a little bit of college football, uh, you know, I had an understanding of how recruiting worked, and it it really kind of fit into the type of story that I would write. And uh, the feedback's been awesome, and I think it's just really cool that in this era where we kind of overanalyze all these athletes that a lot of people who are golf fans, you know, were, were told a story uh, that they had never heard and they didn't know, and that's been the coolest thing for me is people telling me, you know, hey, this is just a part of Roy McIlroy. I had no idea. And like I said, I'm not a golf guy. It's probably the last thing I'll ever write golf-related, but it was, it was a fun article to write, and I appreciate you guys asking me about it. Well, it was, a, it was a fun article to read. And again, people, you really should go read it. Coach Warren decided to go overseas and find some people. He really couldn't get the big guys in our country. He went overseas, got a couple guys to come over, and then they said to him, hey, Coach, uh, we got a couple guys that want to play with us. Coach goes over there. He's supposed to see another guy, and he ends up Warren, uh, watching uh, Rory for 18 holes. Yeah, and I'll tell you guys a quick funny story about it is, you know, as I mentioned, um, <clears throat> I don't know a ton about golf, and so I was trying to relate to him and, and try to, understand, you know, why he would be in Ireland and as you said, he kind of said, you know, he was the first one to really recruit internationally and so I was emailing with him back and forth as we got closer and, you know, he's a big basketball fan and so I said to him, you know, he said, you know, uh, I don't recruit Ireland as much anymore but I I recruit Poland and I recruit this country and I recruit that country. He said said to me, he said, the globalization of sports is really incredible, huh? And I said, yeah, and I said, funny story, uh, you know, the top high school basketball players this year that are going to college uh, one of them is from this country, one of them is from that country. And, oh, by the way, Kentucky has a kid coming from Haiti. And uh, that's obviously Scal with DCR. And, uh, you know, he got a kick out of that, that even in basketball, even a guy like John Calipari that can get any recruit in the country is, is recruiting international kids and kids that maybe don't have a traditional background, um, you know, like a, a, a typical American kid does. Great story. Please do take it in. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. I appreciate you. We always appreciate you. You add such value to us. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Like like I always say, anytime you need me, I'm happy to come on. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Aaron Torres, everybody, is with FoxSports.com. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.